The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You have got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's Major League Baseball betting podcast. We are off and running in the month of August. We came to you on Wednesday post-trade deadline, and here we are. We're back for a Friday episode, so just one day off for the guys. Brendan Glasheen, your host with Action Network Senior Editor Colin Whitchurch and Action Network Senior Writer Sean Zarillo. 14 games on this Friday. No Giants, no A's. They start a two-game series tomorrow. So those are the two teams. If you're looking at it like, oh, who's not playing? That's what we did. Giants, A's. Also, uh, there is an afternoon game today. We've got the Cubs and Marlins playing at 2.20. Everything else, 7 o'clock Eastern time or later. So unlike Wednesday, plenty of actionable stuff, uh, no matter when you listen to the podcast. Uh, We'll have... Uh, a segment where we always fade the public. We figure out where all the money's coming in. That's coming up on the show. Underdog plays. Always looking for value uh, on those lines. And if we think projections make more sense to go to against the public or go to an underdog, uh, we will do that. And also Colin and uh, Zarilla will have their final bets of the day before we say goodbye. We do start, though, with best bets. Are you going to place a bet or what? They never quit. It's unbelievable. It's kind of the game within the game here. Colin Whitchurch, why don't you get us started? What do you have for us? Yeah, I'm going out west to Rockies Diamondbacks. Herman Marquez against Madison Bumgarner. Herman Marquez has had a very uneven year, but if I'm looking to target him in the betting market, it's often when he's on the road. Marquez at Coors Field this year has a 6.11 ERA and has allowed an 8.84 OPS. On the road this year, his ERA is all the way down to 4.20. OPS allowed a 6.97. Generally use quite a bit of caution when I'm looking at home road splits only because the sample sizes, even over a full season, are generally small enough that you can't take too much meaning out of it. 
Coors Field is a notable exception here. And Marquez, as I mentioned, his year's been very uneven, but away from the thin air of Coors Field, he's actually been a lot better. And Arizona is actually playing as a little bit more of a pitcher's park, if I'm not mistaken, this year when it's been a hitter's park in the past. Marquez has actually made two starts in Arizona already this year, 13 innings pitched, combining those two starts and allowed a combined five earned runs with 11 strikeouts. The Rockies are facing a lefty in Madison Bumgarner. As I mentioned, lefty is their stronger split. They have a 101 weighted runs created plus against Southpaws this year compared to just 86 against right-handers. Bumgarner's actually been pretty solid from an ERA standpoint this year in Arizona, which has been a surprise to many. 383 ERA. There's a lot of negative regression coming for him. He has a 5XERA, 481X FIP. The lowest strikeout rate of his career and the second highest walk rate of his career. So I think Marquez and the Rockies are a bit undervalued here. I was kind of surprised to see them as underdogs here, to be honest. So I like the Rockies plus 110, particularly like their first five plus 105, but I'll be having money on both of those. And the Rockies, I'm sure, are just really thankful to be done playing the Padres and the Dodgers in their last two series, Um, considering what the the Padres just did at the trade deadline as well. Sean Zarilla, what do you have for us? Best bet. I like the Twins in both halves here on the money line uh, against the Blue Jays. I projected them as favorites in both halves. So I like their first five line to minus 104, their full game line at any plus money number. Tyler Molly making his debut for the Twins. The Twins getting their revenge game against Jose Barrios. Molly this year, 4.4 ERA, but his expected ERA is 3.2, even though his batting average on balls in play, home run rate, anything that you would normally look at as pitcher luck categories that would show regression are kind of in line with his career averages, but he's still been hurt by his defense, by that small park in Cincinnati. He's getting a new park here in Minnesota, should be more friendly to his fly ball pitching ways. Said 3.22 XERA. Expected FIP Sierra closer to four. That's right where Jose Barrios is this season. Barrios actually struggling. Expected ERA over five for him. Has pitched better of late. But you look at his season-long metrics. I said 395 expected FIP, 387 Sierra. Compare those to his career marks. 415 expected FIP, 408 Sierra. So roughly speaking, Barrios pitching in line with his career metrics. Molly basically pitching in line with Barrios via these starting pitchers as relative equals, if not make Molly a slightly better starter. Toronto slightly better splits versus right-handed pitching, but both top seven offenses. So I do view the Twins as favorites in both halves of this matchup, like their first five line, as I said, to minus 104, full game line, any plus money price. And that American League Central just continues to uh, be fascinating. It's still very tight. So even these series where they're not playing someone in the division, um, it's it's getting to that point where we, we watch every night to see what the movement is. Okay, we're going to find out if we fade the public. So I know you both were, uh, you were both, well, actually not both of you. Zarillo, yesterday we had the YouTube stream and we talked about the Guardians and there was value in the Guardians to take them yesterday against Justin Verlander. We'll see what happens today because the money again is coming in on the Astros. 81% of the bets, 95% of the money, 95% of the money on the Astros. Valdez v. Gaddis. Okay, what are we doing here? Are we are we, are we we fading the Astros, Zerillo? I am. Uh, Colin could tell you a little bit more about Hunter Gaddis, but any pitching prospect that the Guardians bring up is somebody I'm going to be interested in. His metrics in AAA this year weren't great. He had an expected FIP over five. But in double A, it was closer to 3.7. 
FIP projections for him at the major league level are around 4.8. I do think he can outpitch that going forward. I would expect him to be closer to a 4.5 pitcher if he's going to continue to stay up with the Guardians the rest of the way. I trust them as an organization to have these pitchers ready and to know when to call them up. As I mentioned on our live show yesterday, though, Cleveland is better against righties as opposed to lefties. They strike out slightly more against lefties. And one of their best skills is putting the ball in play and avoiding the strikeout. That's not going to help them against a guy like Framber Valdez, who wants them to put the ball in play and isn't looking to strike them out. Sky-high ground ball rate for Valdez, looking to get guys to hit the ball into outs and keep his pitch count low, go deep into games. So if the Guardians can keep this game close, get into the bullpens, that's where this game becomes much more of a coin flip. Both teams, depending on whether you look at expected FIP or strikeout minus walk rate, both top 10 bullpens, they just sort of flip-flop between 5th and 10th, depending on those two respective metrics. But comparable bullpens, much more comparable than these two starting pitchers. That said, I think Gaddis can outpitch his projections. So I do like the Guardians here on the money line. Anything down to about, uh, you know what? I'm not sure where I set my price target, but I believe it's closer to plus 160. Okay. It was plus 160 yesterday. I'm seeing plus 170 right now on DraftKings as an example. So it's right about the same spot. And they're not facing Justin Verlander today. What about you, Colin? If you're going to fade the public, sometimes, I mean, Zerillo, I feel like he's pretty consistently fading the public. Then Colin, I'm like, I don't know what Colin's going to do. If Colin's going to pass, pass up on fading the public. I don't know. What do you got? I, I often pass on fading the public. These uh, elite starting pitchers against bad starting pitchers are usually where we see in these matchups. And and normally I'm, I'm staying away there unless the price target is plus 200 or better. But I am fading the public today. I'm actually very excited about Gaddis. I'm very excited anytime an unheralded pitching prospect comes up for Cleveland. Arguably the best organization in baseball at developing starting pitchers. People forget Shane Bieber was not some like top 20 global prospect when he came up from Cleveland he was considered a low ceiling high floor strike thrower out of college who turned into a fire-breathing dragon Gaddis is not even in the top 30 in Cleveland's minor league organization according to MLB pipeline he was not listed in the preseason by baseball prospectus and I believe he's 19th in their organization by baseball America he spent all of last year at high a this year, almost primarily at double A and made two starts at triple A before getting the call. It might just be a spot start. I know Aaron Savali's on rehab right now. He might be reclaiming that rotation spot soon. But again, eye opening anytime an unheralded guy comes up for Cleveland because what they do with starting pitchers is impressive. And I'm excited to watch Gaddis for another reason. He's 6'6, 260. He's a big boy. People look at Alec Manoa on the mound and they say this guy looks like he's a lot of fun to watch. Gaddis is huge he's a monster he throws a fastball slider change up three three pitches apparently he mixes in a fourth there but primarily fastball slider change up put up huge strikeouts in the minors this year low walk totals and a low ground ball rate so he does allow the ball in the air quite a bit that would be the concern against houston's offense but as Zarillo mentioned a lot about about fromber valdez um doesn't miss a lot of bats he's going to induce weak contact do the best he can there but again a lot of times when a pitching prospect comes up who we're not going to have a lot of tape on, I expect them to have somewhat of some success first time or two through the order. So that's why I'm on Gaddis here. Again, Cleveland success with pitching prospect. Guardians plus 170. I'll probably also be putting a, a first five bet out there just because of Houston's unfamiliarity with him. 
And yeah, as Zarilla mentioned, if if we get into bullpens, Cleveland has the edge there as well. So I'm I'm all over opposing the public today with Cleveland and my new guy, Hunter Gaddis. He he is six six two sixty. Yes. Holy crap. Uh, he's got, uh, I'm just looking at his baseball reference page, 114 strikeouts at 86 innings this year. It's impressive. Okay. Hunter Gannis, the start of something new. Some good hair pitch. too. Yeah, very much so. I was going to say that too. He's not only large, but he's got great hair too. All right, cool. Looking forward to that. <laughs> Let's move on to underdogs of the day. It's kind of a similar segment, except, you know, we don't know necessarily if all the money's coming in on these dogs, but we look around and we try to find the value. Where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Where's my dog? Zerillo, anything uh-huh. jump out to you for an underdog play? Yeah, there's a couple that I really like. Going to piggyback off of what Colin mentioned with the Rockies. They're better splits versus lefties. Marquez struggling this year, but more so at home. Still view him as the better pitcher than Madison Bumgarner. I would favor... The Rockies in both halves of this matchup. Colin said he was surprised the Rockies weren't favored. I'm not as surprised just because they're relatively comparable teams and the Diamondbacks are home, but still view Marquez as the better pitcher. So the Rockies first five to even money. Their full game line to plus 112. I also like the over nine there up to minus 108, even with the roof likely closed. The other underdog that I really like today also in both halves, that's not named the Washington Nationals, is the Pittsburgh Pirates first five to plus 117 full game line to plus 128. Mitch Keller started throwing a sinker mixing in the sinker to his pitch mix back in his final start of May, I believe, against the Dodgers. He's made 11 starts, including that one since then. 332 ERA, 368 expected FIP, 396 Sierra. We are finally seeing a breakout for Mitch Keller. Seems to have finally found his pitch mix. He also has a 51% ground ball rate over that span too. 7% over his career mark. So the Mitch Keller breakout seems real. I've been buying into it lately, betting on his starts pretty consistently. And even though I like Dean Kramer, I still view Keller as the better pitcher. So give me the Pirates on the road. Keep the streak going off of their sweep over the Brewers. Colin, underdog that you're on? Well, first, I just want to say that I feel like has Mitch Keller finally broken out is something, a question we've been asking for the past three years. He 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 takes <laughs> a st- two steps forward, one step back. Um, obviously, former global top 20, top 50 prospect. I, I'm also a big Keller fan. I've I've been waiting for the Mitch Keller renaissance for, for quite some time. So I hope Zerillo's right here with... Uh, his betting on him. I'm going, however, with the St. Louis Cardinals facing everyone's favorite team to bet against and lose the New York Yankees who have actually been kind of cold since the all-star break below 500 record uh, in the week and a half or so since the all-star break, it's Nestor Cortez against Dakota Hudson. It kind of makes me nervous to bet on Dakota Hudson, but I am betting against Nestor Cortez here who has not looked the same since his, Phenomenal first half or first two and a half months of the season. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Looking at Cortez's game log, one of the things that struck me is how few starts he has against truly above-average offenses. And when he faces those above average offenses is generally when he falters last four starts against above average offenses. That's twice against Minnesota, or I'm sorry, twice against Tampa who barely registers as above average by weighted runs created plus, and then once against Minnesota, once against Houston, he's maxed out here at five and a third innings pitched. That was against Tampa when he allowed one earned run. The other three starts, he maxed out at five innings pitched and allowed three earned runs or more. In each of them, the Cardinals are actually the best offense that he's faced in quite some time by weighted runs created plus, and he throws a fastball slider and cutter primarily. As we know, the Cardinals are plus in run value against both the fastball and the cutter. They are below average against the slider, so I think he's going to spam those quite a bit, but I think the Cardinals offense, again, Cortez hasn't faced an offense like this in quite some time, which is kind of surprising. It was was kind of surprising for me to see that considering he plays in the AL East. Mm-hmm. Some down offenses. The Red Sox actually who beat him up last time are down at 99, now slightly below average offense. But he's been beating up on a lot of the, the Baltimores and the Detroits and the Kansas Cities of the world over the last couple months. So I'm I'm fading him here, betting on Dakota Hudson, who induces a lot of ground balls. He's not going to allow a lot of home runs, which is obviously the Yankees' biggest strength. He's allowed just eight home runs in 101 innings pitched. Struggled a lot with strikeouts. Struggled a lot with walks, but again, I, I just think the Yankees are a little bit overvalued here. I think Cortez is being priced similarly to how he was performing early in the season. Like the Cardinals plus 130 here, also probably be targeting the over here as well, given what I said about the Cardinals against Cortez and also just as a little bit of a hedge against Hudson blowing up as he's been prone to do a little bit this season. And the Cardinals have the fourth best run differential in baseball. So they've, they've been a good baseball team, despite the fact that they're uh, nine over 500 compared to a Yankees or, you know, a Dodgers Astros. Um, yeah. That's a big series for them too, with the wild card, the way that's playing out. They go, if you, if you're them, you got to just, you got to try everything you can to get at least one of those games against the Yankees. But yeah, they're at home. We'll see. They moved okay. into a, they're, they're in a tie for first now in the central with the that's Brewers. True. So, with Milwaukee. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be, yeah, it's getting good. This third four wild game card. winning streak for St. Louis and a four game losing streak for Milwaukee. Perfect time for, for the Cardinals. I know that's hurting all of our Brewers futures, but uh, yeah, card Cardinals are going to be scary down the stretch. Just as they always are. I was just going to say, just like last year, it's ringing bells. Now thinking back <laughs> when we were doing this episode for the first time and taking what was it again you had the under win total last year in, in august everyone in at action had the under on the cardinals win total except for me except i was the only i was having a victory lap by myself while everyone else was dejected and in misery when they went 25 and 2 in september or whatever it was okay let's go to final bets before we wrap 
we'll go to Colin first to get a couple games, and then Zarillo's got uh, some action as well on the games later today. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback first on Blue Jays Twins. As Zarillo mentioned, I'm on the Twins as well. I'm on Molly. I like I look to bet against Jose Barrios whenever the numbers tell me to do so. It's actually surprising. You know, he's he's only been in Toronto for about a calendar year now. This is actually already going to be his fourth time facing his former team, the Twins, and he's dominated them in three starts, including a 13 strikeout performance in Toronto earlier this year. But Molly is a huge upgrade for Minnesota. I think he's the better starting pitcher in this matchup. So I like Minnesota here. Real quick on Red Sox Royals. I just generally am looking to bet against Josh Winkowski, especially when he's a favorite. Royals right now floating right around plus money, plus 100. Winkowski has a five ERA, very much deserved ERA. He's only striking out 5.6 batters per nine and walking 3.2 batters per nine. Anytime your walk rate is almost as high as your strikeout rate, you're not doing something right. Zach Greinke is not someone I'm looking to bet on very often, but again, Winkowski as a favorite is someone I love to fade. As long as the Royals stay in plus money, that's a bet for me. Dodgers-Padres, something we haven't talked about yet, probably the series of the weekend with the mm. Padres getting Juan Soto. Sean Manaya against Tony Gonsolin. Manaya has not been great for the Padres this year, but he's been slightly unlucky. We've talked about Alex Cobb for the Giants being probably the unluckiest pitcher in baseball quite a bit on this podcast and in other places. Manai has also been slightly unlucky this year, 4-2-5 ERA, but his XERA is below four, his XFIPs below four. His strikeouts are remain up, but he has a career-worst walk rate right now. But again, I'm always if I'm looking for an opportunity to fade the Dodgers, it's generally against a left-handed pitcher, which Manaya is. And Tony Gonsolin is finally starting to show those signs of regression that we've projected from him all season long. He's had a consistently had an ERA in the low twos. It's two four one right now, but his XERA is above three. His XFIPs all actually about a run and a half worse, three seven eight, and he's allowing a two oh eight batting average on balls in play, which obviously was never sustainable and is continuing to prove to not be sustainable. His last couple starts, he's looked pretty shaky there. So I like the Padres plus one thirty five. Probably bet that down to about plus one thirty. Excellent. All right. Zarillo, what do you got for us for your final bets? Yeah, those final two games that Colin mentioned, Padres, Dodgers. I also like the Padres plus 140 or better would be my cutoff. But Gonsolin, in addition to that crazy low batting average on balls in play, also has an 84% strand rate. So his batting average on balls in play should be closer to 280. Strand rate should be closer to 74%. Right now, they're around 210 and 84% respectively. So definitely is room for regression. He also blew up. In the all-star game, too, and you don't even see that on his game log, but has allowed 15 runs in 30 innings across his starts for the Dodgers this month. The Red Sox and the Royals, or I should say the month of July, the Red Sox and the Royals, I like the over, over nine and a half. I would bet up to minus 108. Projected this total closer to 10. The weather, wind and weather in Coffin Stadium tonight, about 8% better than it would be on a normal night in terms of hitting weather. Temperatures in the 90s, wind blowing out the left field. So I like the under in that matchup between Greinke and Winkowski. The Mets and the Braves, the other series of the weekend, aside from the Padres and Dodgers, no Edwin Diaz for the Mets tonight after pitching two innings last night, at least I would presume so anyway. Like Atlanta down to plus 118, not in love with Ian Anderson, probably view Taiwan Walker as the better pitcher. But again, once it gets into the bullpens, 
this game is a coin flip. So taking that coin flip that I perceive it plus money with Atlanta having the superior bullpen specifically tonight with no Edwin Diaz, the Nats and the Phillies put them on basically the same level as I would with the Pirates and the Rockies, who were my favorite underdog today. I like the Nats in both halves. They're just the Washington Nationals. We're going to have to keep betting this awful AAA team down the stretch, but Josiah Gray is their best pitcher. 405 expected ARA this season, 388 Sierra. Both of those marks about a quarter of a run better than Kyle Gibson. They both have an identical 4.2 expected fit, but basically view Gray as a slightly better starting pitcher than Gibson. I like the Nats here on the first five money line to plus 150. Their full game line to plus 160. And also the over nine in that matchup, good hitting weather in Philadelphia again tonight, up to nine at minus 110. That over should have hit last night, got rained out after four and a half innings, had already pushed by that point. Couple of uglier underdogs. The Tigers down to plus 170 versus the Rays. The Reds down to plus 190 versus the Brewers. Both of those are bets for me based on projections. I also like the under nine in Reds Brewers. Uh, projected that closer to eight and a quarter. Total just feels a touch high for that ballpark. And then finally, the only favorite that is on my card today, the White Sox first five money line with Dylan Cease against the Texas Rangers. Cease has a 0-5-1 ERA over his last 11 starts. He's been absolutely phenomenal, definitely trending towards being one of the top Cy Young vote-getters in the American League. His expected FIP over that span is still closer to three, but he has been lights out. 23% strikeout minus walk rate on the season. That ranks 11th out of 127 qualified pitchers. Glenn Otto, on the other hand, has a 6% strikeout minus walk rate. That would rank 124th out of that same group of 127 qualified pitchers. So two pitchers on opposite ends of the command spectrum, on opposite ends of generating strikeouts. Definitely prefer C's here in the first five. I like their first five line up to about minus 185. He's knee deep in college football right now, but I I really hope that Stucky listens to payoff pitch because Stucky and I argued often last year about Dylan Cease. Is Dylan Cease good? Stucky is a Dylan Cease hater. For those of you who listen to our big bets on campus and are familiar with Stucky on Twitter or all over the platform, I just want you all to pester him about how Dylan Cease is a god and a Cy Young contender this year, just like I told him he would be. Very important. Good stuff. And and Zarillo, you've, you're consistent. You're going to bet the Nationals a lot down the stretch. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to bet against the Padres too. Bet against the Pod. We are one and one betting against the Juan Soto Padres, so we're. We're in the green right now. We'll see if that continues. But yeah, the Padres, a team that's going to get a ton of public action, especially once Tatis comes back. So unfortunately, we'll have to be betting a lot on the Nationals and a lot against the Padres. The rest. I thought we were going to get through an episode without talking about the Nationals or or mentioning a Nats game today. You know, every single day, it's the Nationals are huge plus money. Are we betting them? Should have known better. Should have known Zarillo was going to be on them. But I do love Josiah Gray for sure. The way that game played out last night was horrendous, too. They they really, like, based on expected batting average, how it played out, they had 10 opportunities with runners in scoring position versus two for the Phillies. The Phillies went two for two and homered. It, it was uh, tragic, and I'm I'm honestly shocked that they called a 5-4 game in the bottom of the fifth inning that was competitive. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like we're going to have another miserable weekend. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It should be a lot of fun. We'll see, we'll see what happens here with the... Uh... 
the Nats taking on the Phillies this weekend. Okay, that's it. Uh, Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, we join you regularly Tuesdays and Fridays during the baseball season. For Colin Whitchurch, Sean Zarella, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for tuning in to Payoff Pitch. We will join you again next week. Good luck and have a great weekend. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.